hey there, top teachers. We know that these are crazy times, and we truly hope that you and your loved ones are well. The episode that you are about to listen to was pre-recorded, and while you may not be in your classroom right now, many of these strategies can be applied to your home. Also remember that these episodes will be around for when you do get back into your classroom. So take notes, and we hope that you enjoy this episode, and stay safe. Stay home. Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Foray, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Now listen, we all know that cleaning and organizing our classrooms can feel overwhelming because let's just be honest, we collect a lot of things throughout the years. Today in this episode, we will be sharing five easy steps to help you clean and organize your classroom without feeling overwhelmed. But before we jump into it, I'm going to share a TSH from Lynn. Are you all ready for this one? Lynn's TSH is disorganization. That's literally all she wrote. And I think that's all she had to write because being disorganized is a time sucking hurdle. It makes it more difficult for you to find what you need. It leaves you feeling more stressed and overwhelmed. And that in itself is a time sucking hurdle. So Lynn, we're so happy that you shared that with us. And if you want to share your own time sucking hurdle with us to be featured on our podcast, make sure you head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com. Click the tab at the top that says TS. TSH, go ahead and submit it and make sure you keep listening to future episodes to see if your TSH has been featured. In our previous episode, we talked about the areas in your classroom where you want to give a little TLC in order for you to feel organized and refreshed. In this episode, guys, we are going to be sharing those actionable steps in how to actually follow through with the organizing. So I tend to think of Marie Kondo. I'm sure all of you out there have probably seen it. It was like a huge sensation. And it was all about making sure that you found joy in the items that you had around you. And so I loved, loved, loved Marie Kondo when she first came out. And I just had like the bug, like I had the Marie Kondo bug and I was going through everything and I was trying to ask, does this bring me joy? Do I really need to end up having it? And I cleaned out so many different things. And so you're going to hear me refer to Marie Kondo quite often in this episode. Now I have to laugh because Bridget, you said TLC and you were using it in the means of tender loving care, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, TLC is also a TV network, and I believe it stands for the Teaching and Learning Channel. At least that's what it used to stand for. And growing up, one of my favorite shows on TLC was called Clean Sweep. It was a show where the hosts would go into a family's house, which that family usually was pretty disorganized, pretty messy. They would choose one or two rooms, and they would give it a clean sweep. They would take all the materials out, and then they made them sort it item by item into three piles. They had a keep pile, they had a sell pile, and then they had a trash pile. And I loved this as a kid. And as Bridget and I were talking about, you know, Marie Kondoing and then doing the clean sweep and we're like, hey, let's just, you know, make a little sandwich. Okay, put them together and we're going to create the condo sweep. Ooh, I love it. So we're going to take you through the five steps of our condo sweep to help you reorganize your classroom. 
So step number one of the condo sweep is to gather it. Now you have choice in this. You can either determine to do it by category or by area. And so what we mean by category is looking at like teacher supplies. So pulling all of your supplies from all of the different areas in your room and putting them all together. You can either do it by manipulatives, but you need to make sure that you're pulling your math manipulatives, anything that you use in your reading, anything that's a manipulative would go underneath this category. Same thing with your books, making sure you're pulling your teacher books, your student books, your picture books, your chapter books, all of the books go into one category and you would focus on gathering those together. Or you have the option of doing it by area. You could do it by teacher desk, gathering all of the materials that are inside of one cabinet or gathering materials that are inside of a closet. So we are giving you flexibility with how you start, whether it's with a category or an area, but we are not going to be flexible with how you actually gather those materials or supplies because we want you to clear the area out completely. That means you take everything out of the cabinet or you take everything out of the closet or you gather 100% of your teacher supplies all in one spot. Put it all on the floor or on a table or on a desk because as we go through the next steps, the only things going back into that cabinet or closet or area are the things that you're keeping. And this is one part that we are adamant about. You have to clear it all out so that you can have a fresh start as you return the items you're keeping. Now you are ready for step two of the condo sweep, which is to sort it. We are going to have you sort all those materials that you just pulled out and put on the floor into three groups. Keep, donate, and trash. And the items that you keep need to be the items that really bring you joy, or it's going to be items that you really need, or you're finding that you're using them frequently. And when you find these items and you've sorted your keep items, these items are going to move on to the next step. Now, the donate items are things that you don't really need, but they're still in pretty good shape. Oftentimes, these are things that you have not used in several months or you bought and had plans to use, but you never actually have. And our little rule for this is if you have not used it in a year, it needs to go. And that's our tough love for this episode. You've got to be hard on yourself. If you have not used it in a year, just let it go. Be like Elsa and let it go. Now, these donate items can be given to other teachers in your building or teachers from another school, or they can even be donated to a consignment shop or a thrift store. Or if you even have like a secondhand teacher store in your area, that would be the perfect place to donate them. So the final items are the trash items. And these are the things that are no longer usable. They're broken, they're used up markers, they're books that are falling apart, they're games that have all of the missing pieces and they're just not worthy enough to donate to another place. They need to just go right inside of the trash. So get them out and throw them away. And keep in mind that these items don't have to go completely in one category. You could choose to keep part of an item and then donate another part. And I know that sounds weird, but for example, think about games. If you have a game that is missing some pieces, you could choose to keep the game pieces that are actually still usable and you could use them to either make new games or replace pieces from other games, but then you could trash part of the board if it's ripping. So you you can take these items and kind of break them down into smaller pieces and choose to put those pieces into the different categories. 
Now, step three of the condo sweep is going to be to organize it. And this is deciding how you're going to group those like things together. So for example, if we look at supplies, you need to think about how do you want your markers to go together? I'm going to be very honest. I don't like to keep my thick markers with my thin markers. Those two things need to go completely separate. I don't like to have my normal pencils with my decorative pencils that are like happy birthday themed or fourth graders are the best themed, like they have to go separate. While this all seems super extra, I just want to be clear that the reason we're bringing this up is because the more detailed your organization is, the easier it's going to be to find what you need. If you have separate containers or separate locations for each little material that you have, it allows you to find that material faster because once you go to the spot, it's right there. You don't have to search through a drawer or a cabinet with all of your supplies scattered in it. And even though it's only saving you a few seconds at a time, in the long run, this does end up making your life easier. However, you do have to keep in mind the amount of space you have available because the more detailed your organization is, the more space it's going to take up. Because let's be honest, if you have separate containers or drawers or shelves, those things all occupy space. A lot of them are made out of plastic or wood and that takes up space. So you have to find the right balance for you and the amount of space that you have available with how detailed your organization is going to be. And speaking of space, we also need to make sure that we're leaving room to grow. Let's be real. Again, guys, we're teachers and we are always going to get more stuff, whether it's donated or whether it's something that we purchase or the school gives us. You need to make sure that the cabinets or the drawers that you're putting your items inside of are not completely full. And if they are full, then you need to determine, is there a separate category or is there another way for me to be able to sort this in order to ensure that it's not as full? Or maybe you just need to kind of clean some of that stuff out. End of the story there, you just need to make sure that you have space for all of the future things that you're going to get. That is such a good reminder, Bridget, because I know in my experience, one of the fastest ways for me to become disorganized is when I go to put something away and that container or that drawer is full and I can't put it there. So I end up putting it somewhere else and it creates this domino effect where one bad decision, like putting something in the wrong spot leads to another and another. And before you know it, I just have a hot mess on my hands. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Next, we are ready for step four of the condo sweep, which is to store it. This means you are deciding where you are going to store the materials depending on the frequency of use. Exactly. And we need to be asking ourselves, is this something that needs to be easily accessible? So you have to ask yourself the question of, are you or your students going to be using these items often? So if you find that you're going to use these items every week or every day even, then you want to consider having them in a spot in the classroom where they're very easily accessible, where they're available to you all of the time. But on the reverse side, if you are not going to access these items maybe once a week or or fewer than that, then I'm going to ask that you try to find a location that's tucked away that you can easily still grab them. But at the same time, they're not out there all of the time. 
And another question you need to ask yourself is, do the materials need to be in a location where other like materials are located? So for example, do you have a dedicated math area in your classroom? I know personally, that is something that has worked really well for me. I have an entire cabinet dedicated to my math supplies. Now that doesn't work for everyone. So you have to ask yourself this question and reflect on it and figure out if it will work for you. But if you do have that dedicated area to those like materials, you also need to decide, is this a cabinet or a drawer that I want to allow my students to have access to or maybe not have access to? And then think about how are you going to communicate that with your students? A really easy tip is to have different colored labels. And maybe your students are allowed in cabinets or drawers that have a blue label, but they're not allowed in the ones that have a red label. That could be a really easy solution to communicate that with your students. Michelle, I think that is such a great tip, especially for those teachers out there that have younger kids who are not necessarily able to read yet, but they can identify colors. And it's a really great cue for them not to go putting their little hands inside of those areas. So awesome tip. So once you have those items, then you need to decide how you are going to store them. And you need to ask yourself, does this need to have a lid? Now, there are some instances where students may be accessing the materials, but they may not be actually taking out the container itself, but they're just grabbing one or two of the items. I'm thinking of things like pencils or glue sticks where they're grabbing one of those or two of those items and then walking back to their table with it. Um, You may not actually need a lid for that. And that I actually make make it harder for students to access those materials very easily. But in other cases, whether you just want to make sure that no dust gets inside of it, it doesn't get dirty, or you need to have it to where you can stack some of your containers, you might need to have a lid. So ask yourself, does this need to have a lid? You also need to decide if you're going to get new containers or if you're just going to use what you already have. And there are advantages and disadvantages of both. If you choose to use containers you already have, it is a very budget-friendly option. You're not going to have to spend more money on them. However, having those kind of mix-match containers, because that's what happens over time, we have containers that do not match, that can actually make it more difficult for you to store materials because they don't stack as easily or fit side by side because they're all different shapes and sizes. But if you choose to purchase new containers, that can be very expensive. It can cost a lot of moolah, okay? I remember when I decided to start using Sterlite containers for everything, I started buying them all and y'all, my bank account was not happy with me. However, having a streamlined system of a specific brand of containers does make your organization easier because they stack nicely and they have different shapes and sizes, but those shapes and sizes all kind of fit together. Like I could maybe fit two medium-sized containers perfectly on top of a large container. And a lot of brands will actually make these different containers in the different shapes and sizes for that exact purpose. My personal favorite is Sterilite, which we will link for you down in the description box, but there are tons of other brands out there 
there. So do a little bit of research, definitely read the reviews, and then figure out what brand is best going to fit your needs. And you also want to think about ways to truly maximize your space. So I don't have a ton of space inside of my classroom. Yeah, I have a lot of drawers and I have a lot of cabinets. However, I find that those types of classrooms that have a lot of cabinets and drawers actually harder <laughs> to, to organize and to structure because I only have so many ways and places to put things. But you want to think about how to maximize it. And one of the ways that I do it in my classroom is to have magnetic holders. And so I love using these for my whiteboard and I place them up there and I have materials inside of them that my students are able to access. I have book talk materials. I have different reading logs that they can very easily access materials for. But you can also think about more creative ways, like for instance, anchor charts. Oh my gosh, I know we all have a ton of anchor chart papers out there. And when you're thinking about where in the world am I going to store all of this, you can find a nice little crack in between like a table and a wall that you can just slide that into very easily and have it hidden away. And speaking of getting creative with your storage, you don't even have to use those standard containers or bins. Something I have done that has worked so well is actually using PVC pipe to store yardsticks and meter sticks. Now that I teach fourth grade, I have a boatload of meter sticks and yardsticks that I want my students to have access to, but they're so difficult to store because they're tall and you need a container that's high enough that's going to hold them upright. So I actually went to a hardware store and I got the biggest PVC pipe around. I want to say it's almost like five inches in wow, diameter. that's really big. Yes. And I had them cut it. So it's about I don't know, about two feet high. That way it covers most of the yardsticks and meter sticks and it works so perfectly. I know Bridget has also talked to me about putting sentence strips on a ring and then just hanging them on a hook. And it's a great way to not only maximize your space, but also get creative with it. I've also done this with hanging border. Border can be so difficult to store because it's so long, but I have actually clipped a binder clip on the top so it holds all the pieces together. And then I use the metal part of the binder clip that's like that curved piece to actually hang it in my closet. And it's such an easy solution that barely costs any money. Now, step five is to label it at this point. So guys, labels are really important. They truly do allow your students and your guest teachers to really easily find materials as they need it in your classroom. Because if you don't have anything labeled, they're going to look through pretty much everything you got going on in there. So you want to make sure you have those labels. And especially for instances where you have to move classrooms, having labels is going to make it easier for you as well and it keeps you more organized. Now you can create your own labels. We promise it's not as scary as it sounds. I love to make labels through Google Slides or PowerPoint. I will create the label, I will print it out on cardstock, and I will laminate it. One advantage for this is you can actually add pictures. It is important to use real pictures instead of clip art because students who are either young or even students who are learning English for the first time, it can be difficult for them to associate the clip art image with the actual item that's being stored in that bin. But creating your own labels gives you a lot of flexibility with how you word things, the pictures that you add. But I'll be honest, it can be a little bit more time consuming. The good news is though, Bridget has a pretty easy solution for yeah, this. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it, guys. I thought I was going to get on that whole, I'm going to label everything with really cute 
font and everything and it just wasn't working. So I got lazy. I got real lazy. And all I did was bought a Dymo label printer. And guys, it's fantastic. It works really, really well. They're easy. They're on demand. I can quickly make a label right then and there and then just put it right on. There's no printing, no having to laminate. And you don't have to worry about going to a copy machine if you don't have a printer inside your classroom. So it truly does make it very easy. So if you're not on that whole, I'm going to create my own labels bandwagon, you can just jump on the Dymo bandwagon. Now, remember, you can't add pictures to this, so it, they are a little bit more limited. So if you are in the younger grades, I still do recommend that you kind of go on Michelle's path for this in creating some labels with true pictures because it does really, really help your younger students. Now, if you are needing to label and you need some really good tips, don't worry, we got you covered. And one of the first things that I would recommend to you is to have pockets. So if you are not on the whole, I need to laminate and cut everything out because you wanna just skip that step, I do not blame you at all. You can get those little clear sticky pockets. I've seen them definitely in Target is where I've purchased mine in the past. And you can place them right onto the container. And I kind of cheat on this, y'all, but I use a, a sticky note and I literally just write what's, the, what's inside of the container on the sticky note and I'm able to put them inside of the pocket. Or you can make your labels, just print them out, cut them and place them inside that pocket. And if you're going to be creating your own labels, you can actually combine two of my favorite things, which are batching and labeling. You can actually batch label it. Sounds like music to my ears. This means you're going to keep a list of all of those things that you need to label, and then you're gonna make all the labels at once. One hack for this is you can actually use your phone and just take pictures of the different things you need to label instead of actually writing them down. And then when it's time to create the labels, you just sit down, you go through all your pictures, make all the labels. That way you're only printing and laminating once. It's gonna save you time. It's gonna save you lamination as well because there's nothing more frustrating than using an entire sheet of lamination to be able to make one label. And then the next day you realize you need another one and so on and so on. Batch labeling is a huge time saver. I'm also going to recommend to you that you use easy to read fonts. As tempting as it is, do not use those cursive or cutesy fonts for your labels because your kids struggle to read them. And y'all, even I struggle to read them sometimes, okay? The fonts are getting more and more elaborate and especially some of the handwritten fonts, the cursive letters are maybe not the standard way that you would form them. And sometimes they even mix match like uppercase letters and lowercase letters. And I just think it sets a bad example for your students because it can be very confusing to them and it makes it more difficult for them to actually utilize the label, which it's whole job is to help them find things. So use those fonts that are very clean, crisp, and easy to read. Now, my final tip is to color code your labels for categories of supplies. Now, this one may or may not work for you. I'm just throwing it out there and you can feel free to throw it right back if you don't want to use it. But you could actually use one color of label for your teacher materials, one color for student materials, one for math manipulatives, and another one for ELA materials. That way, you have these different like zones in your room and those colors help to communicate those zones. If you choose to go this route, just make sure you communicate what those colors mean to your students. That way they can utilize your organizational system the same way that you do. 
Now, I know that we have given you a lot of actionable steps in this episode. And guys, you've already guessed it. You already know what I'm about to say. We have a freebie just for you. So we have a PDF document that lists all of the five easy steps in order to clean and organize your classroom. So head on over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash 015 and grab your freebie today. Also, do not forget that if you are listening to us on iTunes, we would so appreciate for you to leave us a review, leave us a rating so that we can get this podcast in the ears of other teachers around us. So until next time, guys, be timely, stay organized and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.